I'll give the introduction if that's cool with you. Yep. We're live. Hello, fam. How you doing, YouTube? How's everybody doing? Uh, very exciting day today for uh, uh, for my channel, um, especially for the Kings of Crypto series. We have Richard Hart. Richard, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. Thank you very much, man. My pleasure. Uh, where would you like to start? I don't know. I mean, it's up to you. You got okay. a list? Well, well, let's let's start with what's hot right now, China. All right. Um, now, I wasn't too surprised due to the history of China with uh, manipulating its currency like, uh, uh, to benefit them. And uh, uh, how, how, were you, how was your reaction to it? Did you expect it? Did you not expect it? Well, China's a, an interesting place because uh, it's not really a democracy. It's not really a free society. They perform a lot of censorship. They have maybe 12 movies a year from the West that make it through the censors that can be seen. And so there's this language and geographic divide between the Chinese culture and the rest of the world, and it's very hard to bridge. So if you ever try and do commerce in China, you discover that uh, they don't speak English, even the people that are supposed to. So it's very hard to do commerce there, and uh, it's very hard to influence them because, you know, they're not on the same chat channels you're on. They're not on Reddit. They're not on Discord. They're not on Twitter. If they were, they wouldn't understand what you were typing. And all of those uh, frictional costs and barriers of not being able to communicate and educate makes the place uh, less efficient. It's, you know, there's a reason that they're not at the forefront of everything. They're really not at the forefront of, of much. And they could be because they have a lot of smart people there and they have uh, tons and tons of just raw human count. They have at least three times the population in the United States. So uh, they run their government different over there. You know, in the United States, they would, uh, they would issue a letter and people would read it and it would go through legal and then they would act on it because no one in the United States is going to shut down their business early based on a rumor or, uh, you know. No, not yet. Right. Absolutely not. So in America, you know, you'll shut down when you have to. But in China, people shut down first and quickly to try and gain the favor of the people in charge. And so if you look at what happened in the recent uh, exchange regulation issue in China, the people that didn't play along with ICOs and were considered favorable got to stay open longer. And the people that uh, did play with ICOs and, and were considered not as, as nice and happy and friendly to the regulators, they got shut down. So when you live in an environment where your company needs to make decisions based on the happiness of regulators, not what they've written, but their emotional feelings towards you, it's a, it's a very different game. So, you know, China has played the, we're going to ban BitCard card for five years, six years. They've been banning Bitcoin since 2012, 2013, but the bans never really happened. So they... They fake, pump fake, FUD, pump fake, fear, uncertainty, doubt, pump fake, FUD. And, you know, finally, they've advanced their, their pump faking and FUD to some actual regulations, some of which are good for Bitcoin, and some of which are short to midterm bad, but long-term good. So they made ICOs illegal, and ICOs are a cancer upon the crypto community.
They are a bunch of bad teams with no track history doing things which shouldn't be built, which is the reason they don't have competitors in the real world because no one was stupid enough to waste their time trying to build most of those things. Then they get overfunded with no check marks and no, uh, you know, no metrics that have to be hit. And, uh, you know, the best case is the ICO fails and everyone gets their money returned. Uh, worst case is that everyone overfunds the thing and then, uh, it fails slowly over time, convincing more and more people to put money into a terrible idea. So ICOs for the most part are where money is shifted from the people who come in last to the people who came in first. And so it's just an advanced, an advanced lottery ticket that wastes a lot of people's, uh, consciousness through mind space. So you'll have this conversation is wasting our time right now. Advertisements they buy are wasting our visual time. Uh, developers will be sucked into their ecosystem for short periods of time until they're fired when the project fails. And they, so China did good to ban ICOs in their current form where they're all terrible. And all that liquidity that would have gone into ICOs will now go into something that they didn't ban like Bitcoin. So the ICO ban uh, frees up developers to do smarter things, frees up advertisements to go to smarter projects, and frees up investor capital to go to uh, currencies which are more secure and aren't stealing the money from the people at the end and giving it to the people at the beginning because there's no failure, right? Like Bitcoin cannot fail in the way that ICOs fail. ICOs never get to market and then they just disappear. Bitcoin is the market. It can't fail. There's no, there's no like, uh, there's no market adoption, like failure case for it. Like we're at the very, we're the very beginning, like only 300,000 people have Bitcoin wallets. There's less than 5 million wallets and contain more than a dollar in them. You can't spend this stuff anywhere. We're at the super duper duper, very, very beginning of this, uh, currency replacement of the new digital peer to peer censorship resistant currency of the people overcoming the government control of man. I mean, if, if the government controls the currency, then the government controls how much work you have to do, right? Like it, it, it's a huge, huge, huge deal. And because the capital class controls the government and prefers to have boom and bust cycle because the booms help them more than they help the little guy and the bust don't hurt them as much. They're still eating caviar, right? Um, so artificially low interest rates from fiat currencies creates boom and bust cycles, which harm humans because humans have a Keynesian ratcheting intelligence where we're okay with raises, but we're really not okay with pay cuts and we're okay with things getting better, but we're really not okay with things getting worse. And so it's better to stop the boom and bust cycle and smooth things out by having more realistic interest rates. You may have slightly slower GDP growth, but you'll have much happier human beings that aren't being ground up by the meat grinder of a couple extra percent of GDP growth, but some people have to get entirely annihilated. You know, in the United States, uh, we don't do paid vacation very often. We don't do paid pregnancy leave very often. We don't do vacations very often at all. But when you look at the rest of the world, they do a lot of that. And that makes America more powerful and stronger as a group, but individually it destroys the individuals. So the individuals have worse lives, but the system overall uh, is more powerful. So you could say maybe a couple generations down the row, down the way that'll, that'll pay off. But in the meantime, it's, it's really bad for the small people. Anyway, in summary, China, China banning ICO is good for Bitcoin. China banning, uh, currency exchanges 
not good for Bitcoin short and midterm. However, long term, they're not keeping this. They're going to enact real regulations and then we'll have a more of a flourishing, just like in the United States. In the United States, it was very, very hard for Bitcoin companies to get bank accounts because there was regulatory uncertainty and no large bank would want to risk their relationship with their upstream uh, in order to put on one single Bitcoin company. And so no one could get bank accounts. Then everyone bitched and moaned and cried about how bad the New York regulation was, but they were all wrong and they were all stupid because the New York regulation allowed onboarding of millions upon millions upon millions of people into the Bitcoin ecosystem through Coinbase because Coinbase could get a bank account. Absolutely. Now, uh, that's how I got in. Right. So short, short term and midterm, Coinbase is vital and amazing, as are all of the other introduction points and onboarding locations that get you into the Bitcoin ecosystem. Long term, those things die and we go to a purely peer-to-peer, middleman-free, distributed, we don't need those central points of failure. So short and midterm, Coinbase exchanges are excellent. We need them. But long-term, they go out of business and peer-to-peer decentralized everything replaces them. But they're a very important stepping stone. So it, you know, China's uh, short-term and midterm result with banning of uh, exchanges slows it down. However, uh, it kind of amplifies some advantages that Bitcoin has. So Bitcoin's the only guys that have satellites and open dime where you can transfer coins in person, hand to hand, like a memory stick, but it's encrypted. So you can't double spend the coins. Like if you give it to someone, they really have it. We also have, uh, you can send transactions by SMS. So the banning and the, uh, the problems that cryptocurrencies are going to have in China, Bitcoin is going to have the least because we have the most advanced architecture and the smartest guys working on it and the highest adoption. So all that ICO money and all of that exchange band money is still going to be coming into Bitcoin, but just through all the side channels and, you know, peer to peer trading because peer to peer trading is not banned. Currency is not banned. So it's going to slow down like normal retail user adoption at the exchange level because they won't be able to, to buy in. However, it will increase the price there like it has in every other country where bans have occurred and it will enhance Bitcoin's superiority due to satellites and peer-to-peer transfer methods. So whatever that price goes up, eventually that will route around their censorship the way they, the same way they've been getting economic uh, energy out of that country for a long time. So they, they smuggle stuff, they buy mining hardware, you know, either one of those things allows you to uh, take your wealth out of the Ramunbi and put it into something that is appreciating instead of depreciating. So I, I think it's, I think it cancels out short and midterm. And I think the Bitcoin price there is going to 6,000 soon, like three weeks. Is my oh, guess. I agree. I agree. I want to, I want to elaborate on something you mentioned earlier. You said uh, they don't speak English now yeah. uh, on previously you've stated uh, they don't speak English. They can't talk me into their idea. I can't talk them into my idea, which I thought was, was beautifully said. Uh, because uh, and that's how uh, uh, you know the world works, or, or any any type of relationship works. Uh, uh, you know, when we disagree on something, we we talk about it, and either you you go on my side or I'll go on your side. And and China has always been isolated with that. Um, and I I I just like the way you stated that. Yeah, it's always going to be that way too. I mean, so every time you try and make a suggestion and make the world better. Some exception finding jerk off tells you why it can't work, shouldn't work, and it finds the exception. 
Now, these exception finders, for the most part, are all losers because their exception finding has made it so that they're paralyzed and it's called analysis paralysis. They're just incapable, incapable of doing good things with their life because they're just confused by, oh, it might not work, right? They're cowards. So I'm not a coward, right? I, I give suggestions on how to make the world a better place. I give suggestions how to make your life better. I use many of the suggestions and they're tested and true. And you know, half of them aren't things I had to generate. Half of them are just parables and things that have worked for millions of people over thousands of years. So if, uh, if you want the world to work better, we need to speak a common language. There's way, way, way too much cost and way too much inefficiency. And the world sucks far too much from lack of communication and even worse, miscommunication that uh, could be resolved if everyone just spoke English. Oh, but Richard, you only want everyone to speak English because you do. Well, it is the global reserve currency and all the best music and movies come out in it and every new scientific document is written in it and every computer language is written in it. So if you care uh, about English. The, the majority of the top countries in the world uh, teach English as the second language. Yeah, and they should. And, and I would like them to start teaching it as the first language. And I know it's a crazy transition, but the world would work a lot better if we all spoke one language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as a third language, that would be tough. Uh, pride would kick in. Yep. Uh, um, it, it, it was weird how China uh, uh, banned came at the same time jp morgan chase uh the demon out of there and then marco his secondhand guy also went out there and 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 spit their poison um and then we see an article or some news that they were buying now i know tone tried to play it off as uh their ones an etn a no versus uh an etf a fund now they called it fraudsters and they called it uh, uh murder they called it all sorts of bad stuff so if it was for their customers that still doesn't allow them to speak the way they spoke and then they say oh they're buying it for their customers did you see that article that i'm talking about yeah so i don't know why anyone cares about this um the price went up to 5,000. The market cap, which is really should be called M2, is it shouldn't be called a market cap, but whatever. Everyone's kind of standardized on the term market cap. Can you, so, Can you explain M2, please? Sure. Well, there's the physical amount of currency that exists, and that's the M2. And then there's these other M levels, which talk about, you know, how much currency has been created through the giving of credit. Because what's the difference between an issued dollar and a dollar that you pretend exists? There's not really much difference. As long as people think it exists and they're still willing to work to earn it, it has a money multiplier effect. So your smallest base unit that then gets multiplied through all these other different levels of uh, fractional reserve is the M2 unit. And I'm probably wrong and probably M1 is some other smaller fraction, but it's not that important. What's important to know is that economists study the issuance of money and interest rates and money multipliers and uh, 
velocity, which is the rate at which money travels through the system. All of these things are well studied and they've been named. And so if you have a currency and that currency has a certain amount that has been issued and is available on the open market, that is the M2. And so to, uh, it's different from a market cap. A market cap is for the stock market and it has to do with shares. So how many shares have been issued and how many shares are outstanding and what amount of money has been given to the company for the shares that have been purchased. And so it's just the shares that have been bought times the price. And I think actually they include the shares that could be issued as well. But don't quote me on that. Go to Investorpedia and look it up. So the point is, like market cap as it is used in the cryptocurrency space is wildly, terribly misleading. It should be all called M2, but it's even worse than that because market cap means for Bitcoin, how many Bitcoins have been mined times their current price. Now I can tell you that's an obviously stupid measurement off the bat and I should invent a word. I'll just invent it now, I guess. So the price of a thing doesn't matter if you have to sell a lot of the thing because selling a lot of it changes the price, right? So if I want to sell a British pound and I want to buy an American dollar, that is not going to affect the price of the pound or the dollar. But if I want to sell a British, I want to sell a billion British pounds and buy a billion American dollars, that action will affect the market. And having a number to quantify how much that action affects the market would be totally useful. So right now I'm unaware of a single word that describes the, the impact by which the thinness of a market will slip past what you tried to sell at. So if you tried to sell like 10,000 Bitcoin right now, you'd move the price of Bitcoin down a hundred or $200 instantly. And then arbitragers would, would take that giant difference in the one place and spread it out, out across all the other places. And it would come up a little bit. So you'd have a, you'd have a $200 drop and then it would come up a little bit as the arbitragers, you know, booked that cheap price here and then sold the higher price elsewhere to even out all the markets. So having a word that would describe how thin an order book is and how thin a market is and how, how much selling or buying certain weights screws you at buying and selling time, because it never gets better, right? Like if you need to sell a thing and then you need to sell a lot more of it, you get fucked. If you need to buy a thing and then you need to buy a lot more of it, you get fucked. So having a, having a way to measure that, right? So like the amount that you get fucked to Bitcoin is the least because we have the thickest order books with the thickest liquidity to eat market movements. And that's the reason the volatility is lowest in Bitcoin compared to almost any other currency, any other currency uh, in crypto, except for ones that are made to never move. Like there's, there's some currencies that are made to just equal the dollar. And so they're not exactly. So a tether, you ain't going to get rich on it because it's meant to always have the same amount, but it looks like it's going up when there's a downturn because it stays flat. Right? So, you know, the reason that we have reduced volatility in Bitcoin is because we have a larger financial mass and thick order books and order books all over the world and a good arbitraging network that equalizes those order books. When you look at altcoins, let's say I make an altcoin that has a, a million units and I sell one unit from a dollar. Some idiot's going to say that the market cap of that currency is a million dollars. That's obviously wrong, right? So market caps are a very incorrect, very stupid way to measure the economic energy of a, a cryptocurrency and a very stupid way to compare cryptocurrencies. 
and I would like to see it improved, but you know, I got to build my own token before I do all these other fancy things and whatever. I was going to, I was going to get into that. Uh, but I absolutely agree with you that, uh, a market cap, it, it changes every second. So that is a tough way to, 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 to measure. Uh, but, uh, uh, the, the reason why everybody cares about the JP Morgan thing, especially me is because I've, I've, I've lived here a long time. I've seen how, like, for example, when we want to go to a war with a country, how the, the talk starts to happen, how, uh, where it starts, the, how the media starts reacting and then how it builds up. And, and I fear this is the start of, of the United States regulators uh slash corporate entity slash central bank slash establishment with their war against bitcoin i well it's not the case so it's basically it's it's like confirmation bias but it's also another word that means recent so i don't want to say recency bias but, but something similar to that i think it might be called proximity bias anyway the point is no, there's not a mono block of business people in the United States that wants the same thing. Most business people want lower uh, interest rates because they make more money. If interest rates go up and people would make more money leaving their money in the bank instead of putting it in corporate shares, it makes the share prices go down. So in general, business owners prefer lower interest rates. They're also the people most likely to take loans to expand their businesses and having lower interest rates makes those loans cheaper. So low interest rates are the reason that we have totally insane all-time highs in every single financial market with not very impressive actual performance and actual production. So we've got really high prices with no real production to justify those prices, but it's the result of having zero and negative interest rates. So that's one thing a lot of business people could agree on. However, war is not something business people agree on. And even taxes isn't. I mean, some portion of socially conscious uh, people like Warren Buffett would be happy to pay more tax and do. They pay more tax than they need to. You know, Warren Buffett pays personal income tax and he would never need to do that. He could just get loans forever and you don't pay income tax on loans. So he doesn't actually have to pay any tax at all, but he chooses to. And even the tax rate he pays, he says is far too low. Why is it fair that people that don't have to work for a living, the capital class, pay 15% interest on their money but if you bust your ass and work really, really, really hard, you pay 35% interest. Is that fair? Does that make any sense? It's complete and total bullshit, but it's the world that we live in. And oddly enough, that standard of capital gains tax being half of income tax is all over the world. It's not just America that's crazy. And so the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because the rich that don't even have to work pay half the tax. It's pure insanity. So back to, uh, back to the corporate thing. Corporations, uh, don't want to see Bitcoin banned for the most part because more people benefit from it than lose from it. Some small section of corporations would lose and those companies would be banks in the short and midterm until they started holding Bitcoin like they hold cash today. Uh, payment service providers like uh, PayPal and Western Union until they started transacting in it like they do cash today, right? Um, so short and midterm, those companies may have reasons to not like it. But long-term, they would. They would have reasons to like it. And even, even PayPal, depending on who the CEO is, might choose to use integrating Bitcoin as a competitive advantage because what do they care? 
you know, they're just making fees anyway. So do they care whether you transact in Bitcoin and they make a fee or you transact in credit cards and you make a fee? It's no sweat off their ass, right? And they do provide a lot of services, which are still 100% useful for Bitcoin, like escrow and like this guy screw me and give me my money back. So like PayPal on top of Bitcoin is actually a really good idea because Bitcoin needs a, uh, a, hey, this guy screwed me, give me my money back mechanism that you have the option to pay for with a fee. And so I would love to see PayPal integrate Bitcoin the same way they've integrated other payment methods because Bitcoin users uh, would benefit greatly from being able to complain and roll back a transaction with people that screwed them. I don't know if PayPal would be the right people for that. I've, I've sold, uh, I've done a lot of business on, on, on eBay and uh, PayPal. I sold a lot. I, you know, I own a mining farm and I sold my miners on there and, and they're not, they're not very seller friendly. Uh, they're not the fairest, but I agree with you. They're great for uh, buyers, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're great for buyers. Uh, I, but I do agree with most you. people are uh, buyers. Most they're like a hundred, hundred x, at least ten x. Yeah, I, I would stick with hundred x. Uh, they're right. they're a lot more. Uh, but but I think that's the popularity. That's what people love about about Bitcoin. Um, or maybe maybe smart contracts can protect. Nope. No. Smart contracts are useless. They're terrible. Yeah, because, right? Let's say you need a smart contract to protect you. Hey, I got screwed. How can the smart contract tell if you really got screwed or not? It's going to ask a human, and then you have to trust the human. And if you have to trust the human anyway, you can skip the stupid abstraction of the smart contract and just trust the human. And you can use Excel or Oracle or, you know, MySQL or Postgres. Like, there's no reason to ever use a blockchain or ever use a program, which is all a smart contract is. It's just a program. It's just a stupid word for a program that has external inputs. Um, I guess you could write some that don't have them. Some people think multisig is one, whatever. The point is, if you ever need to touch a trusted person for data, then it is entirely a stupid waste of time to use a blockchain or a contract built on a blockchain because you have to trust the guy that says whether you got screwed or not anyway. Yeah, somebody's got to make a human decision. Yeah. So once you go to the human, just stick with the human and save money. Like, you know, there's no, there's no reason to pay a blockchain that goes up and down and fees and like, it's just dumb. That's why blockchains like only successful use case is currency because it never has to leave the digital world. It stays digital and it stays itself and it never has to worry about an Oracle. So it's always good. Now, you know, smart contracts could be useful for trading one currency with another, like an atomic cross swap or things that stay purely digital. But a stock price isn't purely digital. Sometimes it has to get rolled back. Sometimes they issued the wrong stock price. You know, a house title isn't purely digital. Sometimes a flood makes the house go away and now there's no house and the blockchain can't tell. So. Yeah, I, I, I want to see blockchain get into government spending and uh, more than I want to see go into like uh, the car registrations and, and, and uh, you know, I want to see it on voting machines. I want to see it on, on that type of stuff that, that, you know, you're actually not going to want to see it on voting machines. Really? Yeah. Because you'd be able to sell your vote and then you break democracy. As soon as you have a receipt for your vote, people will buy it from you and then your democracy is fucked. So you can't actually do that. It's bad. Explain to me, sell your vote. Like if I'm if I'm going to a voting machine, mm-hmm. and that voting machine is based on a blockchain instead of the way it is now mm-hmm. on a counter. Mm-hmm. How, how? I mean, it's it, that means you could sell your vote now. Well, you can't prove how you voted. That's why you can't sell it. But as soon as you can prove how you voted, 
and have certainty that your vote was recorded properly, uh, you can sell it. Uh, 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 okay. So as soon as you can trust that your vote was counted accurately, you can sell that trust, and then democracy's fucked. It's uh, already I kind of fucked by it. ads. I, well, I, I agree. I agree. I, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I believe me. I, I used to be on that position that you were in until I saw a guy explain that, and then I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. So I just—I didn't come up with that. I discovered that, but I don't the, remember the where reason, I discovered the it reason, from. Uh, uh, the reason what makes it uh, uh, sellable is that it's provable. That's a good point. Yeah. I never yeah. thought of that. That once now we can prove it. Wait a minute. Now it's got a worth. Yeah. Now, now it has a, a price to it. But I want to go back to the um, to the where you said about atomic swaps and now is is uh, what is that? What is um, what is that called? Shapeshift. Is shapeshift or an atomic swap? Would that be considered an exchange? Well, all shapeshift is is an exchange. There's no difference. It's just an exchange that uh, doesn't care who you are. So. So. Would they, but but it works different than an exchange on like for example Bittrex. It it, it works completely different. Not really. No. So on Bittrex, when you log in, there's a thing that you exchange for another thing. And then there's a whole bunch of prices. But the only price that matters, if you want to do a market order, is the price at the very top, the bid and the ask. Correct. So Shapeshift is exactly that, except there's only one bid and ask and it's theirs. And there's no rest of the order book. So So do they work as a market maker? Not really, no. I mean, they could behind the scenes, but there'd be no benefit for them to be doing it. Like they, they don't have enough economic mass to, it, it's not required. They just take whatever deal they can get from an exchange and they add a markup to it and they pass that on to you. Just like every other the reason, reseller. The reason why I, I thought it was different than Bitrix, because Bitrix, you're right, there is the top prices, but it might not get filled completely. Whereas sure, well, you just do a market order. It always yeah. fills. It'll eat the whole order book. You can take the whole order book and eat it with a single market order. You'll just get yeah. a progressively shittier deal as you eat into the book. Yeah, that's, that's dangerous though. Market orders can be dangerous, especially yeah. in, in- So just place a limit order. I mean, just use limit orders. Um, or stop buying shit coins, you know, up to you. It's <laughs> your choice, your call. <laughs> I, I always have a Bitcoin in Bittrex to mess around with, just more uh, of a hobby than it is to, you know, just to test my skills. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, but you're right. Uh, regarding some some corporations would would uh, uh, would not like it when and some would like. For example, Netflix uh, could start selling to Africa. Uh, Netflix could uh, sell to Africa now. That's not the reason. Netflix only doesn't sell to certain jurisdictions because they have to suck off the people that create the content, and the people that create the content have already signed agreements with people in Africa. And the people in Africa are like, hey, you're screwing us over on the agreements you signed. We paid to get those distribution rights. You can't just screw us out of our distribution rights and sell around us by using the internet. So Netflix's problems with content distribution into other countries has nothing to do with Netflix at all, but has to do with the legal rights that have already been pre-assigned for movies that existed long before this internet bullshit did. So it's not the banking problem nope. uh, on these third world countries? Nope. That's the problem? Nope. Uh and, for, and it doesn't matter anyway, because those third world countries don't have any money to spend. So even if you broke your ass to have a, a fully content, full uh, African Netflix, they're poor. So they ain't going to give you any money anyway. 
So you're not even going to make your money back on the integration. It's funny you said that. I just I just went on a two month vacation to uh, Dubai and Lebanon and Jordan, and you're right. They barely have enough uh, money to eat, uh, 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 to pay for movies. I I I gotta agree with that 100. Um, percent Dubai, on the other hand, a little different, but the employees are getting paid barely better than. Uh, uh, They're lucky the if they get to keep their passports. You know what? If the minute they're fired, all credit cards are closed, their visas revoked. Uh, it's it's amazing. They're uh, everything is like all hell. They have twenty four hours either to get another job or leave. Yep. You know it's funny in those countries. If you go into debt, you go to jail. They have debtors' prisons. So people that have a business there and they fuck up, they flee quickly and leave everything behind because they don't want to go to prison. It's an interesting system they have over there. Yeah, it's very pro. Pro. I actually, um, I actually went there to look for a business. I'm, I'm a businessman. I own multiple companies, and I wanted to expand uh, there. And so, you have to give a citizen of the Emirates fifty-one percent of your company, and you have to give him. He has to have the top uh, position, and he has to have the top pay at that position. They can fuck themselves. Oh yeah, that's, that's exactly. I was like, like, "What? Fuck you guys!" Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, let me just enjoy this vacation, and I'm out." <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Keep it. Ridiculous. Remain a third world country. Have fun. Bye. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you have wrote a book. No, and I haven't read it. It's a really big I've outline. Huh? It's just a really big, big, big outline. It's two hundred fifty thousand words of outline. It's not really a book. Parts of it kind of look like a book. Well. I mean, it's still considered a book to me. Uh, All right. What you want to tell us a little bit about it? Well, sure. Yeah. Um, if you've already traveled the world and retired, and you know, done all the things a, a young man would like to do, what's left to do more of the same and not rot away and die, as everyone before you has done, and far too many human beings on this planet spend their time doing things that have no lasting value. Twitter posts that no one will read again a minute after they're over. Facebook updates that don't add to anyone's life bragging about the dinner you've eaten or what you look like in a bikini for the 45,000th time. You know, everyone's got your thong memorized. We, we don't really need to see it in 40 different lighting situations. So how would you get the world to do the intelligent thing, the smart thing, and start trying to save their own lives because they can be saved? You know, there's a guy out there that died right before polio was cured of polio. And so things do get cured and lives do get saved. And the more people and the more funding and the more ecosystem and the more tools we give those people, the better everyone's lives are going to be forever. Because if it's cured, it stays cured. So I'd like to transition more human beings out of terribly stupid, wasteful behaviors into better fun behaviors and better productive behaviors. And no one would buy a book called Save your own life, dumbass. You know, save your kid's life. No one would buy that book. But if no, I instead, no. yeah, if I tell you instead, here's how you get laid, paid, have fun, have influence, have power, sex, drugs, rock and roll. If I give that all to you, if I fill your cup and your cup's flowing over, maybe I can get you to join me on this ride to save your own life because it's worth saving. That's the mission. Like, that's the goal, to make it a movement. Beautiful. I, I uh, as you... I started off on my YouTube channel, uh, half cryptos and half building wealth videos. 
and I talk about um, we're just like you said we're we're kind of our worst enemy starting off. Uh, some people work hard with no goals, and some people uh, work uh, have a lot of goals but are lazy. And uh, uh, and how if you put them together, you know, you put your goals and your will together, the will to do smart decisions. Uh, uh, you, you make a nice ambition, and you can go, and and buying your freedom uh, uh, as opposed to working uh, all your life. And uh, um, you made a comment that nobody listens, nobody watches. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I mean, it's a numbers game, right? So when I say nobody listens and nobody watches, it's not exactly true. I get a lot of email from people that say I've changed their lives and, and told me how their lives have been made better. And uh, I get a lot of thank yous and I get a lot of positive comments, but I'm used to operating at a scale that's a hundred times larger than I currently am. So, you know, right now I have zero employees. I have nobody helping me do these things because there's no money in it. And the business side of me thinks, well, I don't really just want to burn money. I, you know, I just, I probably should, but it feels bad to me. I'm not used to it. So if I had, you know, if the book was in a better state and I felt comfortable charging for it, then, you know, I'd have a, a reason to hire somebody and have him manage my comments and delete all the scammers and all the, you know, shit talkers and people that don't add value, delete all those comments, you know, actually promote the thing, you know, do public talks. Like if, if there was some money involved with it, then I could start scaling it up. Right. And then, oh, well, people love it. They're willing to pay for it. You know, my let's I'll, I'll give you a bad business model, but just to throw numbers in there, let's say I sold the book for uh, 20 bucks. Right. And let's say it cost me six to print it and three to deliver it. Let's just say I made 10 bucks a book. It's probably wildly wrong, but we're just screwing around with numbers anyway. And books are a terrible business. But let's just say for this example, I made 10 bucks a book. Well, now, you know, because I care about the movement, like I don't care about getting famous and I don't care about if people even read the book. I just care that they build the technology that would save their life and my life. I want them to save us. That's what I care about. So, you know, I'd be happy to, to put all of the profit of the book into marketing. So if I make $10 a sale, I'm more than happy to pay $10 customer acquisition fee. And then, uh, I get maximum growth, right? I mean, in theory, if I could like create side products at some point in the future and increase the lifetime customer value, then I could pay more than the acquisition cost. You know, I could pay two times the acquisition, like I could pay $20 a customer instead of 10 if I had other products in the future, right? And just eat the cost in the meantime. So because I don't have any of that, I'm not buying any ads. And because I'm not buying any ads, no one's seeing the stuff. Because they're not seeing the stuff, they're not telling their friends about it. And, you know, it's just the quality's just under the level where it would need to be viral, right? I would need more animations, more camera movement, hotter chicks. I could probably replace myself with a, a male model that says the same stuff, but looks better doing it, right? These are all things you can do with money. And, uh, you know, I should do those things. Uh, I just, right now, this crypto thing kind of blew up and I wasn't expecting it to blow up so quickly. And I need to play in the space for a while until I can transition back to the save the world stuff. And I might be able to, I might be able to merge them. And then that would be super beautiful if I can do that. But you know, first things first. I, I, I got three kids and, um, I, I do it strictly to make the world a better place. I mean, it's, sometimes it costs me money. 
just I I I I live in an area in California where people are going backwards in their life and it's becoming worse and worse as time goes by. And if we don't start seeing some change, uh, America is going to be in a different place in 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 the years uh, coming. Um, so I I truly believe that you should keep making those videos, man. Especially I, I like yours a lot. They are straight to the point. They're uh, articulate, and they make a lot of sense. Uh, especially regarding uh, buying your freedom, uh, eBay, uh, Craigslist, uh, whatever. Start anywhere and 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 do something that's how i did it so i got my start still works i'll tell you when that business will stop working when you look out your street or you look in your local newspaper and you see advertisements for the best products at the best prices that have been verified to have good quality by the person selling it to you and that person knows what he's talking about when that world exists then that business will stop working but as long as when you walk out your door or you go to your local store the products suck, they're not the best. The prices suck, they're not the best. And the person talking to you doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, then there's obviously room for improvement. <clears throat> I, I don't think that that uh, will be the case anytime soon, no matter how many people I convert to becoming retailing product experts. <clears throat> um, now, you've been speaking about a token that you want to make recently. Yep. yep. Um, Tell us why is it going to be different than the rest? Yeah. If you so, give us a little sure. detail, because most of the time when you talk about it, it's uh, it's tough to understand. Can you elaborate on it a little yeah. bit? So most taken most tokens do one of two things. They take a business that has no value at all and already exists in the real world, and then they duct tape a token to it, and then people buy it for stupid reasons, and then uh, their job's done. And then the project fails over time and everyone goes home and then they do their next stupid token and then they do their next one. So why is that bad? Because they wasted investors funds and programmer hours and marketing budgets and, and consciousness that see those ads that was all wasted and thrown in the garbage because people like to gamble on stupid things. So you've got three options to prevent that from happening anymore. Option one, and it doesn't work is that you can tell people it's stupid and compete for eyeballs, but it's asymmetrical. It would take you 10 units of time and $10 of money to out-argue one stupid idea and one unit of money because people are stupid and they're greedy. So telling people about all the bad ideas empties your bank account and those guys still get rich. It doesn't work. So advertising how stupid ICOs are, it just pisses a lot of people off, makes you a lot of enemies, and it isn't actually effective in getting the thousands of people that are going to get screwed to not get screwed because I've tried and Krista Rose has tried and you know we're not the first people to try and speak out against scams you know Bernie Madoff was a scam and there was an accountant that mathematically proved that the returns that he provided over the years were possible and that it had to be a scam and he submitted those documents to the SEC every year and he was told to fuck off every year so you know trying to stop people from getting scammed it's not a winnable game so what's level two Level two is you complain to the people whose job it is to prevent people from getting scammed, the regulators, the enforcers. They don't have enough staff. And once again, they're in the same boat that you're in. You know, it's even worse. You can speak out against, against 10 scams in a week. 
but you can't file actions against 10 scams in a week. So they're even worse off, right? The worst they can do is over punish one guy and hope everyone else stops. So that doesn't work. So complaining of the regulators doesn't work and complaining about how shitty the scams are doesn't work. So what's the only thing that could actually work? The only thing that could actually work is to release enough projects that are better and have real market adoption and have lasting value that outcompete for the same eyeballs and economic energy that the bad things did. That's the only thing that will actually work. So <clears throat> instead of doing the two things that don't work, like I encouraged Chris to send his letter physically to the SEC regarding how bad ICOs were, and I've produced videos and content and still do about how stupid ICOs are, but the only thing that'll actually save thousands of people from getting screwed is giving them something better. And my token will be better. Now, why is that? One, it's an actual breakthrough. It's an actual piece of code that does something that no other code has been able to do. It's 150,000 lines of code that's already written and already exists and already has startups that have used its productive output to fund companies that are worth $60 million and create real products in the real world that you know actually exist in the real world, right? It's done that for several different companies. Uh, one is a touchscreen company, one is a drug a delivery inhaler company. You know, the stuff actually works and it's fabulous. So having a real product that really works and has shown results, now compare that to all these ICOs that don't even have any product whatsoever, let alone a product that's been tested, let alone 150,000 lines of code. It's just not happening. So now, where else do they fail? They have unproven teams that have never achieved anything before, doing things which are stupid and don't need to be done. So every company that's doing an ICO wants to pretend that they don't have any competitors. They want to pretend that they're the only people doing the thing. They want to pretend that they're a world revolutionizing, buzzword filled miracle that doesn't have any other people that you can compare them to in the real world, because then they make more money. The reason that they do that is because if you looked, they do have copies in the real world and those copies don't make any money because a lot of businesses just don't make money. If your business has been around for a long time and the barrier to entry is low, you're not going to make much money. So if you do, let's say storage, everyone buys their storage at the same place. So you explain to me how buying your storage at the same place at a worse deal as a consumer, and then having a slow internet connection that gets turned on and turned off and having, since you can't trust the user and his connection to be up, having to replicate that data over more places to withstand that variance. How is that going to make storage cheaper? It's not. So having a centralized company like Backblaze that buys the hard drives by the hundreds of thousands, they get the cheapest price. They have uh, an open source rack solution that they designed and it's open source. So you can prove it if you want that holds like a hundred hard drives per four U rack. They have the highest density, the best developers, the best research on what drives fail, what drives don't, which they also open source and make public, which is amazing. Imagine a world where more people made useful data public, right? Great public service, and they get great marketing out of it. How is SIA or StoreJ or Filecoin going to, with its expensive, shitty distributed system, compete with a vertically integrated monster? They can't. It's slower, buggier, more counterparty risk, and like worse in every way. And it doesn't even exist, and it doesn't even work. So if you wouldn't give, if you wouldn't buy Backblaze for 200 million because their margins are too low, why would you buy a shittier copy that's going to create a shittier product 
for 200 million and it doesn't even exist yet. Why? Because people are stupid, right? Now, how does something stupid like a storage coin compare with my coin? I have a proprietary piece of CFD code that is faster and more accurate than the industry leader. And the industry leader makes a billion dollars of revenue every year. That's a real market with a real company that's, and that company's got 90% market share and hasn't improved their product very much because of it. So we've got a languishing dinosaur that no one likes that overcharges for their stuff that we can now implement this solution that already exists we just add the network components around it, put a GUI on it, right? Because right now the inventor is the only guy that can use it because he knows where to put everything in. We need to make it a little simpler for other people to do that. So we attach the token, we build the GUI or integrate GUIs that are already complete, the people that are used to. Um, on the visualization side, the outputs, much of that is already open sourced and easily used. You know, all those giant racks of computers that you see with blinking lights, they're doing this stuff. They're modeling things. It's one of the only things in the world you actually need that much horsepower for. So anytime you see a rack of servers, they're mostly doing modeling, unless maybe they're serving websites. Maybe, right? Those are the only two things you need giant racks of servers for. Now, whether you consider looking for oil and gas and knowing the right place to drill or not modeling is, is up to you, but it, I think that it is. So we've got a billion dollar competitor with 90% market share that's been languishing and not improving their product for 15 years that no one likes that overcharges you and charges you more if you want your stuff to make to go faster. It's it's a home run, right? It's so good. And then I can like, so we have a real product that gets actually adopted and actually performs a retail service better for people that currently pay about a billion dollars a year to do the stuff. So that's a win. It's the difference between putting a middleman on top of a commodity that's worth nothing, storage, servers, all the other crap that people take something that's worth nothing, a business that has no proprietary advantages at all, it's been a commodity that's been the same for 20 years, and then they put a network over it and they're like, oh, well now this is valuable somehow. Look, we have a middleman on top of a commodity that doesn't make much money. We're a more complicated, less convenient, less reliable Amazon web services with probably worse pricing. Congrats. I hope you get millions of dollars for your terrible, stupid, stupid, dumb business idea, right? So we are not a commodity. This stuff has lots of margin and it's the whole world of difference, right? Like this is a business that actually should work and should actually make a lot of money. Those businesses shouldn't be created in the first place. They have no efficiency advantage. They're wasting everybody's time. You, you, uh, you, you spoke about uh, Vinilingam Civic once before, how it's a great idea, just uh, no, no, nobody can use it. Nobody, no regulatory, no regulators will allow it. Why would no, they? Yeah, I, 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 I like the idea in the beginning, but then I slowly realized it, it, it's not going to work. It, the devil's in the work. details. You know, the details ruin a lot of really cool ideas. A lot of super cool ideas could exist, but the details kills them. So the details really matter a lot. They, they matter more than, than anything. The difference between a business that makes money and loses money. And that's the difference between a business that people enjoy and don't. <clears throat> well, a lot of, a lot of businesses fail. I've, I've failed many. Uh, I've been in, I, I've been on my own business, uh, opening up my own businesses for 20 years. And, uh, um, and then I go into other businesses to, you know, to be a customer and, and I know like within six minutes, whether they're going to be open next year or not. Um, 
It's amazing how suck so many things are. There's a lot of suck in the world. Like you can it's find. Sad. It's sad. It is. Yeah. And I try to tell them, I'm like, uh, you know, like, why are you doing this? Like, why? What's it's and it, I, I used to. I stopped because nobody listens. They don't listen. They won't. They, they never will. They have their own belief system on the way their business should be run. And uh, and it's just uh, amazing. Amazing. Um, That's why if you can get people to pay for your advice, then they'll actually take it. But if you give them the advice for free, they just don't see the value. So, I mean, it. You know what? You're right. We have a saying in Arabic. Uh, um, they we used to charge for our opinion, and you used to listen. Now we're giving it for free, and you refuse it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bitcoin. Yeah. You called six thousand earlier. Do you have a time frame for that or three weeks? I think three weeks. Three weeks. Why not? End of year. Sure. End of year. Twenty k. Why not? Well, you know, I'm I'm pretty aggressive on its price, uh, bullish as it's at, on its price as well. Twenty uh, k. That's uh, that's 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 aggressive. I'll tell you why I don't. I'll tell you why I don't think it's aggressive. It's I don't think it's aggressive because we have a very hard time understanding exponential growth. If I told you a couple months ago that we'd be at thirty eight hundred right now, you would tell me that's impossible, right? Sure. We blew through 2K. We blew through 3K. We almost blew through 4K. No one would have thought that possible. So at some point, you just got to realize that what you intuitively feel is wrong. This shit is going to the moon, period. And it ain't going to feel right. It's going to feel crazy, but it's, it's the truth. It's the case. And if you switch to a long-term graph with a logarithmic scale, you'll understand why. I mean, look where we're at with a currency that you can't really use anywhere. And there's only 5 million wallets with more than a dollar in them. And there's maybe only 300,000 like users that have wallets of their own. I mean, this stuff is early days and we're on CNBC and we're coming out of the mouths of Jamie Dimon and we're getting national policy getting done. And every time they mention us or fight us, it's free press. Everything I, is green lights. I had a... I, I just did an interview on Crush the Street, and I said I said negative or positive uh, publicity is good publicity. Look at Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, he, he's the perfect uh, example of that. He was grabbing pussies on tape. <laughs> he's president. I mean, you're like, all right, I guess I guess you could do whatever I you have want. No idea how he survived right. that man. And that's not the only bad thing, man. If you want to find tape of Donald Trump saying stupid things. It's a long tape, long tape. He's making fun of retards on screen. He's like eh, making fun of real retarded people. Got away with it, right? Yeah. He, he's talked like, he's talked like I saw an interview with him arguing with a guy where he like tried to take the guy's girlfriend from him on Howard Stern and he's treating the girl like property. And I'm just like, this is the most beta conversation I've ever heard in my life. Like I've never got away with it, got elected. All right, interesting, all right. Well, you know, I was kind of pro-Trump for a little while. Well, I mean, I still kind of am. I haven't given up on him yet. Uh, only because he is a wrench into the whole establishment system. I thought that, and, but look at his cabinet. Well, and, and, and look at who he's firing. He fired Bannon. He fired. He fires everybody, of... dude. You got, <laughs> you, don't, you ain't, you ain't going to last. 25 minutes in the Donald Trump White House, man. Like it's... I, I don't understand it. He's fired everyone. You know why? I don't even, 
I can like, tell you why. Tell you who he replaces anymore. Like, yeah. Because if he doesn't fire him, then he looks bad. Because look, the situation went bad. So either he can fire somebody and then confidence is restored, or he could leave him there and then people start to realize he's fucking up. Listen, in the real world, if you got to fire people on the wrong t all the time, you ain't good at hiring. It's not that they suck, it's that you suck. Like if you meet one asshole during the day, you might have met an asshole. But if everyone you met during the day is an asshole, you're the asshole. If you got to fire everyone you hire, you're the asshole. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he I, I haven't gave up on him yet, but he he, he wasn't the disruptor I was hoping he would be. Just oh, he's disrupting. <laughs> well, it's not, I, I mean, it's just I, not the right way. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really thought he was I mean, uh, he was going to put an end to the establishment. It looks like no. especially last week he joined them. Yeah. I don't know. You voted for a guy that had the Clintons at his uh, at his wedding and it was a lifelong Democrat and it is a billionaire from New York and sucked his dad's silver spoon money his whole life. That's who got elected. Now, why everyone decided to forget about his entire history and only remember his pivot in the last two or three years? I guess people have short memories. I don't know. Well, maybe we, we, we just that was our only hope. I, I mean, look at look like at Hillary Clinton sucks so bad. I understand. You know, and uh, 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 listen, and uh, what's his name? Uh, the burn, feel the burn. Uh, he would have, he, he would have been, uh, he would have done better than all these other guys. Well, hold on, I, I, I would have agreed with you until he he got caught. They got caught selling him out, scamming him, and he still stayed on their side. He still, yeah, but he's he was not. See, he pivoted too. He wasn't a Democrat his whole life. He was an independent. He pretended to be a Democrat because Hillary was such a bitch, the same way that Trump pretended to be a Republican because the rest of the party was a bitch. Neither of those candidates was what they said they were. Trump is not actually a Republican, and Bernie is not actually a Democrat. So, you, I mean, I kind of understand why the Democrats tried to stab him in the back. But what's fucked up is Bernie is more of what a Democrat should be than what the Democrats are. See, America doesn't have a labor party, and they don't have a Green Party. They have corporate insane and corporate light. Now, as a company guy, I'm kind of okay with some of that, but I'm not going to pretend that it's good for the common man. You know, I'm a member of the capital class, and I know the common man's getting fucked. And I'll tell you exactly how the common man's getting fucked. You know? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, like they if are. you don't have capital, have, you're fucked. And I used to be I fucked, a, too. You know, way back when. I had a whole show on that yesterday on, uh, uh, you know, between inflation and taxation. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And I really thought that Trump's going to go in there and really change that. And unfortunately, slowly but surely, we're moving. He's he's moving towards them more than uh, um, than being the wrench, if you will. Whatever. Listen, there's an up and down, right? So, like, one, because the system has checks and balances, it makes it harder for him to put more pres power into the president. And historically, the president already has too much power. We're supposed to declare war before we go to war, but that's not how it works now. Now, the president just goes to war whenever the fuck he wants with a fancy excuse, and that's not the way it's actually supposed to work. And that's the reason we're always at war. If we had to actually have 500 people vote to send their children to go die in war, we'd be in less wars. But Donald Trump's kids ain't in the military, so what does he give a fuck? You know, he's going to send your kids to go die in far Afghanistan. So we need to re-control re the constitutional powers of the Congress and stop putting everything in the dumb shit president. 
he uh he looks like he's especially after statements from yesterday he really looks like he's going to uh uh make that stop thing with north korea and that little prick over there in north korea doesn't understand to keep his mouth shut for a little bit stop shooting those missiles cool it down it looks like he's aggravating him and trump as we know is easy to get aggravated Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm a war hawk on uh on North Korea. I believe that if you have to deal with a problem, it's better to deal with it sooner rather than later. And if we went and fucked if we went in there and fucked those guys up earlier, they wouldn't be letting off so many nukes. And the number of nukes they got is going up and their ability to deliver them is going up. So you wanna you wanna go to war with a nuclear power or you wanna go to war with a country that's trying to get there? I'd rather go to war early. And if you're going to just go to war for shits and giggles anyway, in a bunch of countries that never attacked you anyway, right? Hey, you remember when the Iraqi army came, came and, invent, and like invaded America? That shit didn't happen, but we went and fucked them up anyway. You remember when the Afghan army came and, and invaded America? No, never happened, but we went and fucked them up anyway. Well, guess what, man? Neither Iraq nor Afghanistan was trying to get nukes, but North Korea is. So what are we fucking waiting for? I mean, if we're going to invade on a dime anyway, Look, let's have the problem now. A lot of people are going to die. A lot of innocent good people are going to die. A lot of Americans are going to die. But I hate to break it to you. That problem ain't going away on its own. So no. I'd, let's, you want to have the problem now and have a couple million dead? Or you want to have a problem later and have 100 million dead? And that's the choice. So now you could read, you could look at Noam Chomsky's take on this, and he's way smarter than I am. He's way smarter than most people. And you could, you could see that he believes that the reason that we have conflict is that America actually profits from it and that they would be willing to negotiate, but we profit from having him as a, a wild man in the area. If he's right, then I am wrong and we shouldn't be doing any intervention at all. But I don't have better data. So based on the bullshit consumer retail data that I have, which is filtered through the people that are manipulating me, right? The real people with the real data and the real drones and the real spies that have that know what's actually going on. You know, if you gave me access to that stuff, I'd give you a better, a better opinion. However, I don't have access to that. I have access to the bullshit they're feeding me and the bullshit that they're feeding me states, okay, wild man that's wanting to get nukes. I'd rather have the problem early. So I leave open the concept that I am entirely wrong and that America is benefiting from that craziness. But in that case, I would even stay like, can we find a different craziness to benefit from? That's not nuclear. Can we make them crazy some other way? You know, please. I don't like existential threats. I know. I know we, by the way, I, I think we ran out of time. I think we did the 45. Oh yeah, actually we are. We did. We did. I know you have another appointment. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, any closing, uh, words you'd like to say? Sure. Buy Bitcoin. Uh, tell your friends. We don't have a marketing team. We don't have a budget. You got to tell people about it. It is awesome. If, imagine if you told them or taken your own good advice when you first heard about it, you'd have a lot more money than you do now. And we all feel that way. Everyone that gets into Bitcoin, you know, when they first hear about it, they didn't get in as, as hard as they could have. And now they all have a lot less money because of it. Uh, check out my Discord. Um, it's where people that watch these interviews just kind of hang out and talk about whatever. It's just a bunch of dudes talking about crypto mostly. And then if you, uh, if you want to read the book, the book's in there. And if you want to hear about the token, there's a little info about it there. And, uh, and that's it. I'll link, I'll link it in the comment section below. 
All right. Hey, man, it was really good talking to you. Keep up the good work. Make people's Richard, lives better. Thank you so much, man. It was an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much pleasure, for coming man. on. Later. Later. Chat, it's been fun. You guys are great. As soon as I find the end stream button, I'll see you guys in the Discord. Bye.